an idea nearly a decade in the making, or perhaps even 150 years, it finally comes to fruition from the minds behind both King Kong, Godzilla, and the original sci-fi genius of the modern Prometheus. This is Kaiju versus Histories. Frankenstein conquers the world. Welcome back, all you monster movie mavens, you kings of kaiju craft. This is your ghoulish host, Miles. And joining me in sticking bolts in a corpse's neck is my hunchback assistant, Patrick. Sanctuary. How are you doing on this monstrous episode? Yeah, no, I wish this was our Halloween episode. <laughs> I, I know, this would have gone very, very well with a Halloween episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we have finally, after, I, I, we've mentioned this a couple times on the show, but if you look back in any book of lost films in kaiju history, you will find that there were, that the as much as they love King Kong, Jap, Japanese filmmakers really wanted to do a Frankenstein movie. Yeah, Frankenstein, I mean, Dracula definitely captured the the world's imagination as well. But Frankenstein in the 40s and 50s was just so popular. The obviously classic monster, <laughs> Frankenstein's monster, super popular the world over. It's in the same vein as King Kong, you know, one of those films that translates very well. Japan loves them, as we've <laughs> joked about. Germany has a a nonstop love for Frankenstein. They keep putting them in <laughs> titles of <laughs> yeah. uh, of kaiju films where he doesn't exist. Just kind of like the idea of you know the uh, amalgamated kind of monster, I guess, has matriculated through yeah. storytelling. It's it's certainly one that keeps popping up in stories before a move comes into fruition that at some point in time, several of these Showa era kaiju movies started off at some point in the pipeline involving Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Now, I do have to ask, Patrick, before we get into other parts of this podcast, how many times during this movie were you thinking, but Frankenstein's not the name of the monster? <laughs> <laughs> Non-stop. Yeah, well, very pointedly they i guess do they really call him frankenstein like once he's up and about in in the film oh i think you're muted at first they call him the boy right right at certain after a certain point especially once they know where like he kind of originates from oh right because they they, they have frankenstein (laughs) they have the the test where they recommend cutting off an arm or a leg (laughs) to see if it goes back it's like that's a scientific process (laughs) And the best part is, it's like, well, what if he wasn't? <laughs> so this, I mean, we, we'll have to get into it before. It's like, is it Frankenstein, though? Because Frankenstein as a concept is a being like brought together of a bunch of dead pieces of people, you know? And this is just something that's originated from his heart, which is like, when you think about Frankenstein, it's like the one thing he's not known for is, is his heart. He's like known for a monster brain, right? Here, here's the thing. For, for I feel like time immemorial, the public liked calling the monster Frankenstein. Yeah. It's just, it, it's a thing. So, because at the very beginning of this movie, before we jump, not to jump too far ahead, you know, we see at least some aspect of dr frankenstein's work being confiscated by the nazis yes though technically the movie does not credit that as dr frankenstein i, no, I thought it was it, supposed to be but i guess technically Franken the story of frankenstein takes place like so well in advance like the right 1800s so i mean so, the, yeah. the movie frankenstein i guess not the book but yeah, I I, I, don't, I don't know if it was so another crazy doctor who was like just like looking over Frankenstein's stuff. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, it, it 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 is an interesting. I mean, it's, it's a cool angle to come about it, but and especially for to make a kaiju film, and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we get for, for, 
get too much further. I, I got to ask you what's in a title because this one has had very, very many over the years. Yes. And I, I, I think I have really only heard Frankenstein conquers the world before. That is the American Same. release of, of the, the film, though that is not the, the best name in my opinion as the, the Japanese version is, you know, their version of uh, uh, Frankenstein, Farukenstein, and Thai uh, Baragon. And so that translates to Frankenstein versus Baragon or Frankenstein versus the subterranean monster Baragon. That is the other creature in the name. So it had a versus title before, I, I guess, the, they, they were in fashion with, you know, versus Mothra and, and things like that before this. But this film has had a lot of titles all over the world. I, I should say that the American one's my least favorite because it's very clunky. I don't know. I, I guess I, I like the simplicity of the verses, but it's it's so it's weird. It's one of those weird ones because I, I remember seeing this title. Oh, I remember when it was put out on, on on DVD initially, and I think the title always somewhat intrigued me, but. For for one reason, which I'll get into later, I never opted to watch it. Yeah, it is me clunky. This, this is my first viewing. This is my first viewing as well. Uh, Ferguson Conquers the World is it? I think it's an interesting title. It's de- definitely very evocative. Like if I'm looking through stuff, I'm like, huh, you know. Even though that's not what this movie's about at all. <laughs> it, I mean, that it does feel like a title that could fit in, and maybe that's why they chose it for the American market into the other kind of classic Frankenstein films i guess yeah i guess it, i mean it has such a, a unique flavor and i mean i'm not sure if honda himself was just like gung-ho about making a frankenstein movie or not but yeah. it Got just bride it of just, frankenstein curse of frankenstein ghost of frankenstein and frankenstein conquers the world it fits right in there right oh yeah and then i mean now if you threw an ab and costello you'd have yourself a stew <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but, so yeah, let's let's get into some of these titles. So that's the U.S. title, the early U.S. title that they originally wanted to show it under because this was, of course, one of those joint productions where there was American money and they demanded that there be a ending where Frankenstein fights a giant octopus which we'll talk about that alternate ending later so it was also released for a short time i believe under frankenstein versus the giant devil fish why <laughs> why they yeah, okay. would want to highlight that yeah they saw the ending they decided not to go with it the the german title is frankenstein the horror with the ape face and that just feels mean <laughs> well i mean the weird thing is they do make him very apish I've, yeah yeah in parts maybe i i i don't know what is going on with that face makeup but it definitely gives me this kind of like weird neanderthal well feeling the, it's it's not at all you know diminished by the fact that uh, towards the end of the film he has a loincloth made out of horse and or giant boar <laughs> <laughs> pelts they don't it's, really it's, ever it explain. is hard to say that. But <laughs> just the scale wise he had to have murdered dozens of giant animals to make that pelt. which i mean from what they does in this movie is exactly what he did <laughs> yeah well that though there's some more titles from around the world but a lot of frankenstein conquers conqueror against the world <laughs> but the the one that we got here is is frankenstein conquers the world like I said, I think I prefer Frankenstein versus Baragon just to, you know, cement it into the kaiju world. Because, you know, obviously the first thing I think of Frankenstein, it's not a 50 foot tall version of, of the monster. And pro- probably for good reason. You know, that's this is not the the go to for for the monster itself. Let, let's talk about this this film, which. Yeah, it's probably. So- <laughs> Probably one of the grittier, darker Toho Kaiju films that, I mean, not only we've seen so far, I would say ever. <laughs> well, this does, this does obviously, this gives me a lot of, I mean, they, not only do they mine from Frankenstein mythology, they, they, there's a lot of King Kong style storytelling here. Oh, yeah. And for sure. I, I had, I think, 
shades of the amazing colossal uh, man in, mm-hmm. in this film. So yeah, it, no, no, I, I think I wrote up down at one if, point. if the amazing colossal man had been competent, this would have been very similar. <laughs> and yeah, I said it. If it was well made, that's and, my and hot, then, that's my hot take. But th- for there, me, there are elements you know later on that you know do just like dip right into horror. Well, I think because you have, you know, for all intents and purposes, a human as mm-hmm. your 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 kaiju, it it definitely gives everything that when they talk about it a little bit more of a, a an impact. I feel like yeah. for the audience, you know, because you've seen this this creature as a boy and who is clearly just a scared, you know, creature. We 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 established that first, so everything that happens. Mm-hmm is you're conflicted about and when they talk about oh we should just we should just kill it you know, yeah, or, you it, know just like, cut off an arm to see if it is yeah so <laughs> yeah like, oh, I, I, what I, if it's not i didn't think about that when i was watching it but what, now that you mention it i mean in terms of that kind of uh, human violence it does seem a, a lot darker than most of the kaiju offerings with the exception of Wait, maybe the first the, godzilla there's there's so few Toho films that are about a a human or more humanoid monster. So th- yeah, th- I mean, in that respect, it's definitely very different from from all the other giant lizards or, or bugs that we've we've gotten. But besides that, this movie starts off with Nazis, <laughs> like full uniform Nazis. I also love uh, how they were very particular. You don't see a swastika. Yeah, well, I, I, for probably good reason. I don't think we need as many. It's like and oh, they I, also, I, I, they I figured it was, I, I figured it was kind of a too soon type thing. We're like, <laughs> we're going to make it realistic, but not that realistic. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that too in a bit. We start off with that. We start off with a, a great horror scene, kind of in the still beating heart of Frankenstein. A great little prop that you know they didn't need to add into the movie. <laughs> I think we could have got it from context, but a little bit of gore almost, and then. The atomic bombing of Hiroshima. They show it. You know, they show like a a representation. I'm like, what? That caught me off guard. I was not (laughs) expecting that at all. Especially they're in the operating theater and the scientists look up and they're like, what's that? It's like, and and I I should, I should note just because the, the DVD where you can get access to the Japanese version is, I think, out of print and, and somewhat expensive at this time. So we both watched the American version that you can find in the Internet Archive. For some reason, I thought the original one was streaming on HBO Max or something as part of the Criterion run of Showa Godzilla no. films. But I, I guess not. First, I could have sworn I saw it among them, but I, I must have just been another one crazy. of Ashiro Honda's non Godzilla films. Of course, he is the, the director of this film. We, we haven't mentioned that yet. Another Ashiro Honda classic that has not gotten a lot of praise and i think it should we'll talk about that when we get to the score but this is a pretty good movie yeah i mean i i have i have some conflicted feelings about it in terms of particularly the screenplay but Mm -hmm. we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there but i i definitely feel that they're, they're, they certainly didn't have the money that they had enjoyed in certain kaiju films. This this one clearly felt like it was kind of kept together by duct tape. <laughs> See, I I I enjoyed a lot of the production elements of it, like the effects, even more so than our last Godzilla outing. <laughs> well, we we had talked about how the last one didn't quite look up to. S- to snuff and uh, i remember Gita, the three-headed monster yes yeah and i know that this this film and uh one we're going to talk about in a couple weeks invasion the astronauts were pretty much almost filmed back to back yes with and with uh, a very limited budget yeah so they're they're shoestringing here but this one i don't know yeah maybe i think you might correct that there's some some script problems but this one kept my attention and because it really kind of changes gears like every 20 minutes of the movie. So we, we start with the <laughs> Nazis handing off the still beating heart still, of yep. Frankenstein to the Japanese. Then bringing well, uh, it. Frankenstein's monster, not the doctor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that actually <laughs> is important. Well, you know what? They I don't know if they actually say that. They say this I mean, is the heart of Frankenstein. Maybe it is. 
the well, again, the I, think doctor's it, I, think, I think it is the thing where like people called the monster Frankenstein for so long until I want to say like the 70s or 80s where it became kind of the, the gauche thing to like say, well, actually Frankenstein yeah. is the, is, is not the name of the monster. It's the name of the doctor. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like that, that has been a, a, a more recent thing trend than we, we consider because as mm-hmm. a kid, I always called it Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. I, I call the monster Frankenstein. So I feel like I don't think that they're saying this is the heart of Dr. Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> no, no. Of course they, they, they talk about, well, they talk to another doctor later on. Who's like, no, this is, this is that, that beast that he put together. And it, it gets taken to Hiroshima, which gets bombed. And then it jumps 15 years into the future where, you know, it's weird to think, and, and I don't. For some reason, I, I just never put this together. Hiroshima is a thriving city now, and it was rebuilt at this point. You know, fifteen years later. So this, the early parts of this, take place in Hiroshima, and we have a a young savage boy with <laughs> like a sloped, flat forehead, very reminiscent of the the makeup of yeah the yeah, Frankenstein well, monster. I, I, I want to talk about the way this creature looks. <laughs> oh, we'll get to it. But yeah, eating dogs and cats and other city animals. I imagine squirrels probably in there. Squirrel. And they investigate and the the scientists catch him, bring him back and discover that he's got a resistance to radiation and seems to be thriving despite that. And they, they find out that they think... It might be a Frankenstein monster, a link to that monster later on. Well, so so <laughs> they do. And that is one of the funniest parts of this movie is when the guy's like, oh, yes, I almost forgot about that discovery that for a few years ago. And I'm like, you mean that life changing thing you saw? <laughs> yeah, but- that thing that I would probably never forget a a still beating heart free of a body yeah oh yeah yeah yes we 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 meet with dr uh reisendorf who's like ah it's probably frankenstein <laughs> forgot all about frankenstein there, there 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 is some some fun these characters are cracked me up because some of the stuff they say they say with such comp that line is delivered with such confidence as if it was like oh yes my other favorite my favorite line in this entire movie is when I believe it's the doctor character. I think, I think mm-hmm. says with such confidence that the Frankenstein creature. Oh yes. He's distinctly Caucasian. <laughs> yes. And then they show the creature and I'm just, I'm just like, y'all sure we don't, I don't think you have really a get, Caucasian, this movie and that it, ain't it. <laughs> we don't get a lot of information about, cause it, or are we to believe that the radiation soaked into the heart and the body grew around it? <laughs> like it regenerated? Yes, I, think, I think that's what they try to tell you. Because, uh, uh, spoilers later on, they, they lock up this new Frankenstein monster and it tears or its its hand comes off and it grows it back. It grows back its hand. But it's like, <laughs> that. it's a pretty... <laughs> dark disgusting ideas just a body forming around this this monster heart but yeah they talk about how the frankenstein monster was destroyed or killed many times and just coming back so it's kind of like a sisyphean curse you know the the birds peck its eyes out every day and it, it grows them back the next yeah and what's interesting about this is koji furuhara who played the frankenstein creature was basically nearly completely deaf and yeah so which i think contributed to him not having certain lines but also kind of went in with the kind of i don't want to say i guess the kind of undeveloped mental facilities that the creature seemed to have i mean he plays a feral child extremely well and right that is like a movement he was supposed to actually have lines but because Mm -hmm. he couldn't deliver them and they kept it because it's like, okay, no, we're, we're going to have this as it being a Frankenstein creature who doesn't quite understand things is more of a feral child, like you said. And this was his only, I think, only role that I know of. I think and he had according some to smaller w- ones. Yeah, but this is like obviously what he's, he's known for. And then the, the, the Wikizilla, who is always a good source when you're trying to like suss down some, some 
finer mm-hmm. details. Just end the the very short entry on him with his current whereabouts are unknown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there there is a a great photo on Kizilla, which I'm not sure where it's 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 sourced from of the makeup being applied to the actor, and he's like not a, he's not a bad looking guy, but he puts this this very Cro Magnon looking makeup on and uh, it's it's a good monster transformation. I, I I mean seeing the before and after, I enjoy it a, a good deal. Yeah, what one thing I wanted to mention before we move on and, and talk more about this film is this released August eighth of nineteen sixty five, which is two days after the twentieth anniversary of the destruction of Hiroshima and a day before, you know, Nagasaki, which is why would they choose to release it at that time and show the the the, the atomic fireball destroying the city? It it just it boggles my mind that that's the time frame that they decided to to release this movie, which is not like very reverent at all of the the destruction. This is also one of the few Toho films I really feel that has that many overt references to world war ii to the bomb you know to to showing the destruction like we don't even get that in godzilla it's also one that i think gives you very there's a a few times where you get specific dates and right i don't think that ever happens in prior ones yeah so very very specific you know like well it it does say 15 years after the the bombing so i assume that it's august 6 1960 (laughs) oh yeah and then like one year later and things like that this is one of the first of three films that we're going to see co-produced by benedict productions a subsidiary upa with toho including the spiritual sequel to this film war the gargantuas and a and the next godzilla movie invasion of the astro monster where we're going to see some actors from this film return for both of those very quick turnaround productions. Uh, Invasion of the Astro Monster comes out, I think, three or four months after this movie and War the Gargantua is a year later. So very, very quick. Yeah. Um, and this this is an interesting one because I can see why that, that they kind of had some co-productions here because, you know, you you're talking about rights with multiple studios across yeah, the, multiple st- the Pacific. Yeah, exactly. And, and and so once they get the rights to Frankenstein, you know, like you you just had talked about. It, <laughs> so this movie starts off like as a spec script. And from what I remember reading, like it was like stolen from Willis O'Brien. Yeah. So we talked about the original idea of King Kong versus Frankenstein's monster, which they repurposed. RKO sold the rights to King Kong from kind of out from under Willis to Toho. And they, I think, had access to that. They actually started production of this potentially as a script producer, Tomiyuki Tanaka, wanting to do this as a sequel to The Human Vapor, which is a film we haven't really talked about, but it was supposed to be Frankenstein versus The Human Vapor which was a 1960-ish year Honda film that it's another you know, kind of <laughs> lost but often lauded sci-fi classic of his, which is about a normal-sized human, which is why we didn't do it, that can turn into like water vapor, you know? Very much like a feels like a Fantastic Four power. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it honestly, it would have been very, very fun. And I, I I wouldn't have minded doing it, but it is a little bit off of what we have yeah. promised ourselves to, to do. Yeah, we can't just do all sci-fi, unfortunately. Well, I mean, like, pa- pa- I mean, I was pretty happy doing anything that Honda did because I feel like that's an important enough name. And, you know, one of the things that we have wanted to do with this podcast and have mm-hmm you know, forced upon ourselves is, is most of Honda's non Godzilla films. You know, we did watch yeah. Gorath and we watched, you know, I, I mean, I guess you can count the little walrus thing. He's a kaiju, you know, it's, and, it's so funny. And, and, and we'll talk about it, but technically I think the, the boar, the giant boar has got kaiju kind of status in this movie. Oh, <laughs> good good for him oh gosh where is it the uh in 2018 as part of 
the Godzilla Ornament Special Effects Collection minis. They <laughs> they officially named the boar Giant Boar. So very much like uh, oh. Giant Condor and Giant Octopus from other films. Giant Jeez. Boar is an official kaiju. His mother must be proud. <laughs> it must be very proud. Yeah, but beyond that script, of course, they went back and took the King Kong versus Prometheus or Frankenstein script that Will Bryan had been pushing and brought in other authors who, who ended up getting the final screenplay for for this film. I had it in my notes. Is listed as a Corral Mabuchi. And with story elements by Ruben Berkovich and Jerry Soul, this went from that production and they still had, I think, the rights to Frankenstein wanted to do a giant Frankenstein movie. So this is this is what came out of it. It was a, it was a new script and another monster. I think they were thinking about putting in a Godzilla movie, Baragon. Originally, they were wanting to do, of course, what you would want to do, Frankenstein versus Godzilla. But for whatever reason, they were not able to put that together. That would have been a very interesting odd. movie. Yeah, I, I feel like that would have worked extremely well. I mean, Baragon works well, fine in this because film, too. But. From what I have read, this is officially in the Godzilla timeline. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the legacy, but yes, <laughs> it like is in several of the timelines it, it works. And one of the reasons this movie is kind of forgotten is because Baragon shows up in other Godzilla films, but this version of Frankenstein does not, sadly, for for whatever reason. I'm OK. I'm OK with it. <laughs> let's let's talk about Frankenstein. Let's talk about Baragon. Yeah. What do you, what do you have to say about well, like I said, I wanted to laud Koji Furuhata's acting as as Frankenstein here, but I would like to rag on the the look of yes. Of the monster. So this 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 is specifically why I have never seen this film. I think Frankenstein looks abysmal. Yeah, it just he, he looks like a Neanderthal or ape man. And if they had said like you know caveman conquers the world or something like that, it. It would at least be more understandable. I just I think the design is actively ugly mm. and and it's 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 not extremely fun. It doesn't really evoke Frankenstein to me. Well, so this is not really like a Frankenstein monster because it's it. Well, he doesn't seem like an undead kind of zombified creature brought back to life. It seems like a monster that has derived from him, which they're going to do again with where the gargantuas is like another derivation of that monster. But besides the forehead makeup, it, there's not a lot tying them together now. No. And, and this honestly, this dings them. This is what's going to ding a lot of uh, the movie for me is I, it's just the fact that I dislike that look so much. It affects the enjoyment I have for this movie because, yeah. you know, if something is actively repelling mine eyes, <laughs> then, you know, I'm less inclined to be engaged with it. And, and that, that, that's something that this has, I think plagued this movie because this movie has had several re-releases. This movie has released in official cast capacities in the States. I mean, yes, it is now a little bit more difficult to get the officially released DVDs, but they have been officially released. I have seen this movie on the shelves for a good portion of my life. And it's often just highlighting the way the Frankenstein creature looks. And mm -hmm. it, it has always but there's a reason this is the first time I've seen this movie. And I, I can't stress enough just how how but ugly this thing is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the effect, I think, works better when he is normal sized earlier on in the film. That That's part of it that works very well when they're trying to, you know, kind of tame him a little bit. And they, they throw him in changes like, oh, yeah, that kind of jumps. You know, Japanese version of Frankenstein. But when he becomes. Skyju size. When he, yeah, because I think even right as a around. child, they give him this kind of ashen color skin. And so yeah. you can even argue, like, he, maybe like his parts aren't necessarily alive, but the way they're describing it, I'm like, well, he's growing body parts. Those parts are alive. So it's not <laughs> yeah. like he's regrowing dead people's parts. 
<laughs> yeah, he, so, he he does look extremely caveman like when they give him a pelt, an over the shoulder kind of toga pelt made out of I'm like I said, guessing horse and or giant boar skins. And yeah, I don't know. He, he the effect looks extremely neanderthal versus dinosaur <laughs> later on with with him fighting baragon so i feel you in that respect definitely <laughs> points in the end there but for the most part i enjoyed baragon a great deal i um, i enjoyed baragon baragon had this this lovable goofy look to him i love he, the ears i love the light up yeah one. he was like this weird little doofy sea dog <laughs> <laughs> almost yeah. well yeah he's also he's got a i mean a new thing with toho monsters in is he's like a subterranean creature can burrow underground and they they have some very awesome effects of him busting out of of a mountainside i am all on board for, for Barry. Oh, i also I also really like the foreshadowing with Baragon because like you see him just briefly in that earthquake sequence right? and right. and then the camera doesn't stay on him and you can see that and someone later brings up they saw a creature but they kind of don't really register mm-hmm. it. And I think that was such a smart choice on Honda's and as a director just to not focus on it. If you see it, you see it. And mm-hmm. then I, I thought I thought that was a really, really cool move. Yeah, this was a creature that like i said that was potentially going to show up in a couple of of different films baragon was designed by akira watanabe who also did of course famously the king Ghidorah and many other suits godzilla one of the most famous costume designers and you feel i think the elements of a godzilla like monster in, in baragon but we we don't see him standing up on his hind legs all too often. The the suit works and and both four legs and two very well, I would say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I don't know. I I just think conceptually it just works pretty pretty awesome for a good foil villain to to a more humanoid Frankenstein. I I enjoyed that matchup. I enjoyed their fight a good deal in in this film. I, I do think that that the fight was pretty solid, and that's one of the reasons you you buy a ticket to a lot of these kinds of movies is you mm-hmm. want to see these, you want to see some creatures ruckus, and I I think you know especially for the part of having someone who is not in a full monster suit, yeah, they they utilize the movement very well, and and Koji did his own stunts, I think, yeah, that, obviously, so. did did a did a fantastic job. Uh, there there are some weird moments that are like sped up or like cut to to that that yeah. are very very quickly done. I I feel like that was a very fast editing process because it did it didn't look very smooth and it certainly wasn't up to I think Honda's standard mm-hmm. in terms of how some of those scenes were cut together. Let's see. D- talking a little bit about the, the cast and crew. This is our first introduction in these films, though. I believe he's done a, other Shiro Honda to actor, American actor, Nick Adams. Yeah. We will also see an invasion of the Astro monster as well as Japanese actor, uh, Yoshia Shushaya Shuchaya. But we also get a, a short cameo from uh, Takashi Shimura, Dr. Umane of Godzilla fame, and other kaiju mainstays like Todo Takashima. But yeah, the, um, like you said, the only real outing for Koji um, Furuhato played Frankenstein, which is a shame. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Now, popping back, you know, this is the second movie in a row where we have a an American actor as mm-hmm. a main character. And oh, yeah. I, I actually re- recommend you like at least browsing through the Wikipedia entry on Nick Adams, who had a oh he is amazing, a very interesting life, albeit certainly way too short, because essentially he was plagued by personal excesses, and you can I think that's probably the the best way to say it. But he did have a very long and interesting, or not long, but he had a a very uh, active oh, and interesting career. Yeah, he was in a, in a ton of movies in the 50s and, and 60s. Mm-hmm. And 
he worked with a, a lot of stars, was friends with some pretty, yeah, uh, some pretty iconic characters. people. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, like you, you, you kind of scroll through his thing, and like you have you have entries on James Dean and Elvis Presley, and you're like, okay, who is this guy? So it's he's right. certainly an interesting character. I don't think he had maybe the success as oh, oh gosh, what was his name from uh, last week from Gator the Three Headed Monster? Yeah, yeah, he. I'm I'm not sure when exactly he started working in Japan or why he was in a, a film called A Girl Named Tamiko, which is, I believe, an American production, but maybe it's shot in Japan. But him and Shira Honda became very close friends in working with him just a few times. And there's some great stories of their their families getting uh, well acquainted with one another and and Nick going to to visit Ashira Honda whenever he was in Japan for other other work in in the the biography by by Rifle and Godzuiski it, it paints a very nice picture of of Nick even though yes uh, very very tormented <laughs> personal life I think he was maybe going through a divorce at this point yeah there, there's a lot of things that that can definitely key in as to what led to or what it may, might have been impacted or maybe caused some of his excesses and the, the other actor well wasn't from get you know, monster uh, it was robert dunham from uh dogora mm, and right. and they both kind of seem to have a little bit of a of a type you they they seem to cast these uh, when it comes to americans these kind of square jaw blonde haired you know <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, actors, I thought Nick Adams did a pretty pretty good job. I I was really impressed. He definitely definitely had a screen presence. He was likable. I um, of course remember him very very well from Invasion of the Astro Monster. Which oh, we'll, absolutely. We'll get to of course, and and he's I think he's even better in that one. Yeah, he. I forget if he did his dialogue in japanese for the japanese version of this film like i don't think he did i think he had a japanese voice actor i'm pretty sure the voice that we heard was his dubbing like they they went back and and put him in so he did his own lines in the american version of the the movie as well but very interesting actor i mean we could do like an entire episode on his life his crazy life alone oh i know but We'll, we'll talk. We'll, how about we we break it up? We'll talk a little bit more about him in Invasion of the Astro Monster, where obviously he's the lead in this film as well, but uh, he gets a lot more, I think, in that movie. Oh yeah, his his character is far more interesting in Invasion and of the Astro Monster. More of his personal life bleeds over because he's trying to enter into an affair with his co-star in that movie. <laughs> uh, he's he was such a playboy, yeah, and supposedly either gay and or bisexual and uh yeah. yeah like you said friends with elvis uh he was in rebel without a a cause with oh boy just in so many things lots of great japanese actors in this this movie as well i i think the plot of moving kind of frankenstein along i i was invested i was interested the entire time by the time it, <laughs> the movie gets to the giant detached hand crawling around. <laughs> I was completely hooked. I was like, why is that in this film? So yeah, this this movie does have a lot of interesting moments. I think the basic plot is really good. I like this idea that there has been this random kind of feral boy scene and these two scientists kind of protect him and yeah. offer him some sort of guardianship and you, you kind of go like if, as a Frankenstein story, it is legitimately interesting as a Kaiju story. I think there are several times in this narrative that the screenplay seems to grind to a halt for me. I was interested that they didn't do lean more into the King Kong aspect, you know, of him have to be turned into more of the protector. Um, we, we do get him fighting Baragon, obviously to to stave off that that monster but i I thought there would be a little bit more in in that respect well let's talk more about this film and in some of you know outside of its connections to king kong versus godzilla and those those other movies where they were trying to get a frankenstein in what what, do do you have other things that you really enjoyed about this movie miles yeah i mean i i 
I very much enjoyed the performances. I think the acting in this movie was pretty excellent. And I think mm-hmm. that Ishiro Honda, I, it's one thing we keep seeing. Like, I know, I know why I said some things where I, th- I think I might have called Gator the Three to Monster one of his weakest movies. Um, but I think on a whole, I think he, it's because he puts out so many great ones. You know? Yeah. I know that, and that. And that's the thing is like when you, when you, you can't bat a thousand all the time and you're like, and honestly, that being his weakest movie, it's, it's fine. I mean, if, <laughs> if you're, if you're, if you're, if your weakest movie is just plain, oh, yeah, that's, that's good. Well, his that, weakest, maybe his weakest one so far, but we still, so far, we still gave so, it a, a, like an eight or a nine. <laughs> so what's interesting to me is that uh, as a viewer who, who was watching his stuff in, 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 in succession, I do feel like he's becoming more and more confident in his choices and taking a couple of risks, like the fact that he doesn't highlight Baragon in that initial earthquake sequence. And that earthquake sequence was really cool. Yeah. If this was Frankenstein versus Godzilla, we would definitely, I think, see Godzilla there. We would hear his theme song and, and things oh, yeah. like that. But because this isn't a named monster yet, putting him in the background as kind of a threat that makes a lot of more sense. Well, and I also think that Ikefube delivers an interesting score. It's, yes, there's there's like German melodic elements, like kind of hearkening back to some of the original Frankenstein music early on in the film. It and, feels a lot more subtle than mm, like the, the bombastic Godzilla themes that we hear a lot. And yes. so I think that in in some cases, it, it may seem like it doesn't have as much as a distinct iconic identity in its music. I think. The choices that uh, Ikefube made were, or I'm sorry, yeah, Ikefube. Um, I think the choices that he made were really interesting that benefited the film, even if I would say, like, if I put that record on, it may not stand out. Mm-hmm. I think that the selections were, honestly, I think appro- appropriate sounds weird, but despite the fact that there's no iconic theme I think all of the music serves the film very, very well. And it's honestly nice to see Ifukube do some understated stuff after yeah. so many bombastic scores. I feel the same way as we talked about with the Digora theme that it was it worked for that movie and he would bring it back in Gita, the three headed monster, you know, so I'm, I'm interested to kind of track that and see how much he cribs from his own prior films. Maybe we'll get some of this film's music in Invasion of the Astro Monster. Or we'll get more Dagora in that film more than likely because it's kind of that ethereal alien. Music. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Now, I I do find the, the kind of period between Frankenstein escaping from the, the facility mm-hmm. to kind of his showdown with Baragon. There's a lot of just kind of narrative meandering in in that yeah. point for me. Well, yeah, that's where they find the the hand, the giant hand crawling around like thing from the Adams family. Uh, yeah. There's there's some weird stuff in there, and I, I agree with you that part. It, it feels like that's the point of the movie. If this was a normal kaiju film, that there would be a a a, a full action sequence. What we get is we get to watch giant Frankenstein. <laughs> hunting giant boars destroying the the barn with the one of the worst toy horse effects <laughs> yeah so that that is another that is a, a definite show of this movie's budget is a lot of the miniatures especially when it comes to animals are extremely poor it looks like a i mean scale wise it, it doesn't even work because i don't feel like they show them next to one another very well but it feels like a a single physical toy from like a train set you know like a, yes. a, a tiny little creature on like a, a much larger kind of backdrop that doesn't work at all there's a point where frankenstein picks up a human body of of the the scientists at the end and that is an actually good model because they they've like weighted the feet and the arms so he picks them up in the the limbs kind of like ragdoll and it's only for like five seconds but that 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 scene was shot very well because at first i'm like oh he's picking up amigo um (laughs) yeah that that worked well i i in general i really enjoyed the scale of this film 
and the fact that they were able to bring in trees and the the actor Koji uh, Furuhata could like act around them and like kind of like hit them as he's like walking by that scaling does so much more for me for kaiju films than like i said my main problems with the the sets in gita the three-headed monster is there's like very little to scale those monsters you know boulders <laughs> can be you know they uh, can feel like they're a foot tall or like a hundred feet tall you know and they just look like a giant rock but the trees we have like such a important concept of their their size in our, our brain that those sets worked very well for me and you know, the the short yeah. the few buildings that we have in in this film to to be destroyed work very well yeah the, um a lot of them do look pretty good i think i think you know the submarine scenes oh, mm. they, they they look i mean you can tell they're on like a a, a pool set basically yeah. <laughs> and and i mean i i feel like they have done better with even that kind before. of of thing before so I, I i was less impressed in the opening like attack on the submarines and so there, yeah there there are some weird technical hiccups here and i also again outright hate the makeup job on frankenstein <laughs> outright um, uh, well, outright we'll, hate we'll get to um, the the scoring before too long but let's talk first about the legacy for this film before we get into our reviews <laughs> Obviously, one of the biggest things we have to highlight is there is technically a sequel to this movie in the form of the movie War of the Gargantuas, mm-hmm. which comes out in 1966, which we've also mentioned on the podcast before is like the year for Kaiju. It's the the other, I would say, focus point besides 1954 with Godzilla 1966 there's so many new kaiju projects there's it's so many wild so many different studios throwing their their hat in the ring and there's some big Godzilla and 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 whatnot films out there as well but War of the Gargantuas is just one of those movies that comes out and with with mostly a different cast i don't think there's returning people playing like the same characters they're returning actors playing different characters including the 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 female scientists who i don't i don't think we mentioned uh kumi mizuno as togami in this film she plays i think a different character in war the gargantuas and while we'll we'll talk more about that 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 movie (laughs) i i think i have seen before and didn't make a ton of sense those are like the offspring of the frankenstein of this movie in, yeah, like, there's some sort of weird connection like that. It, like maybe it like divided in two, like the body divided in two. It was supposed to have regenerated from Frankenstein's flesh. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe the hand <laughs> grew into a full Frankenstein as well. But the the other major thing, of course, is Baragon. Baragon actually has a much longer reaching legacy than this version of Frankenstein. We're going to see them in a few other films in the Godzilla series, especially. Yeah. You, you, you see Baragon a couple times, including a recent American film, Pacific Rim Uprising. <laughs> oh, uh, like, ba- apparently, apparently ba- there, the- yeah, there's a, there's a Baragon skull somewhere that <laughs> uh, they, I was, I, I was like, that that's pretty cute. But a uh, Baragon <laughs> appears in full in two other movies and then stock footage in two others. So yeah. you have, you have four other films, five, if you count the, the skull four other films in, in the Kaiju pantheon that he, or it pops up and has appeared in several of the video games. Oh, yes, of course. Frankenstein versus Godzilla, like you said, is canon to some of the millennium, some of the millennium series films because they show like flashbacks and like of all the movies they can choose from. It's so crazy. Like that one. And I think more of the gargantuas shows up in Godzilla against Mechagodzilla in Tokyo Um, SOS. It's I know it's definitely in Final Wars and Giant Monsters All Attack. The Millennium Era is wild. <laughs> yeah, what they choose to be part of the the canon. Because almost it's all of them just stand alone 19, except for two. Well, yeah, and they all go back to 1954's Godzilla, I think. Godzilla, I think, exists 
from that movie and all of them, but not necessarily all the other films. Yeah, I mean, the, Sh- the Showa era has plenty of things that seem to stand alone somewhat, although there's a lot of connective tissue happening. And there seems to be at least a sort of through thread, even though, like, you know, we don't talk about the fact that, oh, Godzilla, you know, was turned away in this one and then is underground in in this film. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, we just assume that he got there somehow. But in the Heisei era, I mean, pretty much those all of those films are a one long series. Yes. Yeah. And unfortunately, Baragon does not show up in those. I don't think it at that's, all. That's OK. I think um, they were going to bring back Baragon and they were. Baragon with- has if you read if you read the, the lost films of of I think it's the Kaiju or the lost Toho films there there Baragon pops up in a lot of conversations. I think he, at one point Baragon was supposed to even go up against Gamera, which if you're <laughs> well, some sort of crossover. I mean, that's gotta, the one, have, I guess. Yeah. You gotta have the two big G's, not, you know. But B- Baragon has been optioned a few times. And I think even there might be some cases where there was, you know, a, a, so a, bad least- for Baragon's always getting kind of the short end of the stick. We'll come back in the Millennium film GMK, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters mm-hmm. All Attack will not be mentioned in the title of that film. They mentioned three other no. monsters, but, and Baragon is like a big part of it. You know, it's not like just a cameo. <laughs> oh boy. I have a, I have a soft spot for, for the monster. I very much enjoy that. There's a, a female suit actor for, for Baragon in, in that movie. I, I don't think we mentioned who was operating Baragon in this film. Do we? Uh, no, we have not. But uh, it uh, was it is, was Haru uh, Nakajima, yeah, of course it, it was. Yeah, it's Nakajima. always Nakajima. It, it it works very well. He he does a great job in, in this one, even though <laughs> some people just call him Red Godzilla. <laughs> Zay, yeah, I honestly Baragon's I liked I I liked his choices as Baragon because they are a little more frenetic and it was a little a little more of a wild. There's a more of a wild creature. Yeah, uh, I think characteristic to Baragon than you get from some of the other ones. I know that sounds like a weird thing, but there is there was something as feral as Frankenstein about Baragon. It's just this weird thing that just kind of popped out of the mountains and is, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> fighting a giant dude. <laughs> right. So that's that is this one. Let's get to Terratin, this guy. What do you say? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear your scores. We haven't talked about them beforehand. What? How are we rating this, Miles? Okay. So now comes the time that, you know, we take these movies and rate them on a scale of one to 10 to individually look at the personal enjoyment, the technical and aesthetic elements of the film and the emotional and evocative responses that generate this just this generates as a piece of art typically tend to be the, the cultural response. We then combine our scores to get the official podcast rating. So for this one, for the enjoyment I think I think the plot is in so far as making a kaiju Frankenstein film. The basic plot of this movie is pretty solid. I yeah. think the acting is pretty solid. I think the script is okay, and th- this movie is not even ninety minutes long. And there were several times, especially in the latter the, half of this film, that well, the, just drags. The middle part, I, I, I definitely agree with you there. <laughs> and definitely and that, that makes it really tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm i going to give this one a 7 out of 10 because I really have to ding it for the absolute horrendous, despicable design of Frankenstein. <laughs> I, oh, you put that in the technical. That, that hurt your enjoyment so much? Yeah. It's it's oh it's my. part of the technical, but it is part <laughs> of my enjoyment because it kept me from enjoying the film. But I do think that this is a well plotted, well directed, well acted movie. Even if the screenplay keeps mm-hmm. you, it, it slows things down too much. You have you have a decent monster fight. The ending is a little, but I, I think it's I think it's simply it's good. It's it's by no means awful, especially compared to the the stuff that we sat through in the fifties with America. Like, I'll take this any day of the week. But insofar in how it compares with some of the other things we've given eights, nines, and tens to, I do think this falls a little bit below those. Well, I don't because I gave it an eight. I I mean, honestly, if given the option to some of the other things that we gave an eight to, or I gave an eight to, I should say, like King Kong versus Godzilla or Atragon, I would probably 
want to watch this more just because it is weird and out there and a good versus, you know, movie. I I got to imagine, like you said, it's better than most of the 50s stuff, but I don't think it's a, a great nine or a 10 kind of film. Is yeah, that the one I want to have people see a little bit more of, though? I think it's, I'm, it's I'm looking at stuff out. that I've given a seven and I think it lines up with, I mean, okay. Gorgo, Gorath. In terms of my personal King Kong yeah. versus Godzilla, I gave all those sevens, and I think it is on par with those movies. I'd probably watch this over Gorgo. <laughs> I mean, I, I I would too. I don't know if I would watch it over. Well, it's I'd just, probably watch King Kong versus Godzilla just because I like those. I, I like Godzilla so much, but yeah, I mean, that one's very good too. But um, I think this is a better versus movie than that. <laughs> I mean, as as I, I don't, I do. yeah, I definitely think the fights are really, really solid. But again, a seven is not a bad score. It no. is a perfectly fine movie for for the technical. I, I think in a few more points as well. Not stellar work, but still pretty good. I give it another eight out of ten for that. Mostly digging it for for the the script. There's just so many other weird elements of this this movie technically that that did work for me. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I. I gave it a seven out of 10 and because as much as I want to just sink its score for that, that, that just <laughs> albatross of a design, it just, that thing just completely sinks the movie for me. <laughs> but you, I mean, you got a great, great I, zoomation with, uh, but again, this, everything else is outside of the script. Mm-hmm. Everything else is really, really on par. I think, I think a lot of the miniature work is, is really good outside of the one, the things that we talked about. I think the, like the, the earthquake, earthquake destruction scene is great. Oh yeah. Fights the, the are fire good. is amazing. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. Uh, they're, they're doing more superimposing these things in the background in, in a better fashion than, than they are before. There's a lot of stuff that is being learned as they go along. And there's a lot of really cool things about this movie that work despite how just eye gouging Frankenstein looks. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to sink it too much. I'm giving it a seven out of 10 because I, I do think the movie drags a little bit, but overall it's still an exceptionally competent production and Honda's direction and, and Ifukube's music are just go hand in hand so well in this picture. <laughs> it's, it's so funny for all the, times that king kong got or or, you know the electricity powers that frankenstein was going to have in that movie and will get attributed instead to godzilla in in uh ebra that didn't really show up in this movie (laughs) at all like we don't have a a power line scene empowering (laughs) frankenstein here anyway for for the evocative score for where this rests in kaiju history i I dinged it pretty hard here because it is so overlooked while i don't think it should be while it is so connected to so many of the other films productions and disconnected from the main continuity of what i would say are the godzilla movies I, i i still don't think that it is that important i guess to 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 greater kaiju a lot of you know godzilla kind of lists leave this off because obviously godzilla's not in it but yeah i dropped it all the way down to six out of ten for for that well well wouldn't you know it so did i (laughs) it it, it makes sense i mean this 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 one has, yeah, a very limited cultural impact. I mean, it Baragon saves a lot. Yeah, Baragon <laughs> shows quiet. up. And this this movie isn't something that's been out of print. I mean, it is out of print now, but it's something that has consistently, like, I have seen on shelves through most of my life. This movie has been available, which is uh, far more than we can say about some of Honda's other films, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I, I certainly keep it over the halfway mark, but just barely. This one... Yeah, it's a little it's a little bit more of an obscure film. I mean, if you're a kaiju, I mean, uh, if you're a kaiju fan, you listen to this podcast. I mean, any any of the to- the big Toho ones that have been released aren't extremely obscure. Even even yeah. like a simple look at Honda's filmography that you're going to find this movie, it's it's easy to get a hold of in some capacity. So, it, I can't say that it's I mean, it's not like a lost film, it's not a film that like you're going to have to scratch tooth and nail to find so yeah I, i'm i'm happy giving it a six 
um, which I think brings my total score to a seven. Yeah, a little bit less. Mine's a little above a seven, but for the book, for ostensibly, we both gave it seven, which means our final score is seven out of 10, which it's not, not bad. That's, no, that's, that's, uh, I, I think that's exactly what, where this movie, I'm very comfortable with this. I, I've been wanting to es- establish a couple of more mid tier movies and to kind of, cause we've, we, you know, during the fifties, you know, I gave a lot of two through fives. And I wanted to establish what I would consider kind of a medium and a movie mm-hmm. like this, which is it's certainly not bad, but it, it's good. But it's, it's it's far from great in a lot of aspects. Yeah, I, I, I like having that spectrum here. So uh, having some of these movies kind of get more of a middle grade, I think, is a good thing. And this is a perfectly serviceable kaiju film. Yes. And and one that I'm, I'm glad I, I was finally able to to get to. And, and talk about here on the podcast. Yeah, I, I, it is one that I had never seen before. I mean, obviously, some of the movies that we've watched, I, I were first time viewings for me, but a lot of them I, I have seen in, in some capacity. So, especially when it comes to the Japanese kaiju films, there, there are uh, at least in the Toho monster movies fewer holes for me. I mean, every Godzilla film I, I, I have seen and owned. So. Yeah, it's it's stuff like this that has fallen through the cracks. And so if you if you are interested in seeing some of the non Godzilla stuff, uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World is not a bad picture. It's it's certainly interesting. They do some cool stuff with the concept, but it, it, it is certainly flawed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, if this would be like the one non Godzilla Shira Honda movie I would I would recommend, but it. It might. Oh, be no, it absolutely wouldn't be. But it's it's, it's, it's not a cool. good film, but it's a it's a it's a good kaiju. It's a good versus kaiju film <laughs> like this one doesn't spare you the monster for for whatever reason. It seemed like Shira Honda didn't want to add in giant monster fight scenes in some of his other films. But this one gets it in spades. Oh, right. yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode. It's a seven out of 10 and thank you for listening. Thanks for following us on Twitter at Kaiju versus history. Thanks for liking, commenting, subscribing, wherever you heard this or sharing it with a friend. That's going to do it. Miles. Thanks so much. And we'll catch you next time for a new Godzilla knockoff entering into the arena of Kaiju. We got rival die studios. He's mean. He's green and his shell has that turtle sheen. Tune in next time for History versus Gamera the Giant Monster. Yeah.